Welcome to our podcast for March 24th, 2019, Youth Sunday at Park Road Baptist Church. Today's sermon is shared by three members of our youth group, Maddie Counts, Brian Knight, and Kate Pulaski. Their sermon is entitled, Feelings of Being Misunderstood. of these youth can attest, the youth group is great. I've been a part of the youth since I was in sixth grade. As a little, innocent 12-year-old, all the older youth were my idols, the big kids like Margaret, Madison, and Emily, or Jackson Dean. They were always the coolest people I knew. They were the leaders, the role models, and the cool kids amongst the youth. They were the core of the youth group, and everyone followed their lead. But then they left and the core of the youth group slowly trickled away to go live lives of their own and left the youth group to figure stuff out. Everything was going to change amongst the youth. The change was going to ruin everything. For one of my classes, I'm writing an essay based on this year's stimulus material. Every year, a new set of material is released, and it's just a whole bunch of documents and sources all focused around one central theme. This year, that theme is change. One of the documents is a speech given to the UN about climate change and environmental policy. One of them is Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous letter from the Birmingham jail. The one that really intrigued me, though, was one that was about change in people, in particular, change in teenagers, how teenagers compare to teenagers from other generations, and how these teenagers interact with the generations around them. Teens today have grown up in a society never seen before, one where everyone is connected and everyone talks to everyone, one where someone becomes your friend in the click of a button and becomes unfriended just as quickly. And as they always have before, the older generations question and even fear this new age, this wave of imminent change. Although this wave of change may be the end of the world as we've known it, just maybe it might not be the end of the world overall. Change is not inherently bad. Everyone needs to shake things up every once in a while. Without change, everything begins to stagnate. We lose the fun and exciting things that separate life from merely living. The same goes for the whole world. The world needs to change. Social change is born in an attempt to eliminate the issues that plague society. Yet society still resents change. Why wouldn't you resent inexperienced young people coming in and altering the world you've spent your life working for and trying to improve? As a teenager, I'm a part of this changing world. I'm a part of the generation who will run the future, yet no one seems to really understand us. What's wrong with teens? We might not always act and speak the way we're expected to, but we're not all bad, right? My fellow teens and I have grown up in a world unlike any before. Um, So why wouldn't we be different from the teens of the past? We're probably going to be different from the teens of the future. That's the nature of teenagers. We're always going to be different because the world is always going to be different. But there's a common misunderstanding amongst most everyone. This new generation that's different is bad or won't be able to work in or run a functioning society. But I think we can. Teenagers are not bad people. 
but simply misunderstood people. We have a different language and habits and a strange sense of humor, but we also have new ideas and a unique perspective. Change isn't a bad thing, as long as you embrace and make the effort to understand the change that is coming. Something changing does not mean it's going away. It just may not be exactly what it once was. So when all the cool big kids left the youth group, everything changed, but not everything was ruined. A new group emerged, a new generation of youth. And as my sister can attest, she thought the youth group was going under when she left. How could we continue without Margaret? But we did. New leadership emerged. We planned social things, we've repaired houses, and we've made fruit new friends and danced at university. And in a few months, we're going to Cuba, something that's never been done before with a youth group. Because change isn't a bad thing. You just have to take the time to understand what's coming next. Thank you. Those of you that know me would probably agree that I am initially a very quiet and introverted person, and in a matter of time, I become very outgoing. In the past, it has been somewhat challenging for me to branch out, make new friends, and meet new people. When initially meeting people, I'm overcome by nerve and anxiety and tend to take a very distant approach when forming new relationships. This has caused me to make new connections at a much slower rate than the typical teenager, and it has often prevented me from becoming friends with a larger number of people. It has also led to the label of being known as TC's sister for most of high school. <laughs> In fact, a lot of people think that I resent TC for making the past three years much more difficult at school. <laughs> this isn't the truth, however. I would say we get along quite well, most of the time. Recently, I told one of my friends from school that I would be joining her at Clemson next year. Go Tigers! <laughs> Amy's pretty excited. <laughs> Um, and word spread pretty fast. The very next day at school, I began getting questions about going there, specifically why. People began to say that I was only going there to avoid being at NC State with TC. This assumption couldn't be farther from the truth. Maybe all my joking about TC being embarrassing or annoying over the years had really caught up to me. Despite all my jokes, I don't feel any anger or resentment towards him. In fact, I'm extremely thankful for how he impacted my high school experience. As more and more people began to ask if my choice was just to get away from TC, it really made me start to question my motives for choosing Clemson as home for the next four years. Even though my choice wasn't going to budge, I felt horrible that so many people had made the assumption I disliked TC enough to make a major life decision based on avoiding him. Through this experience, I've learned that I should show more appreciation towards those I love and care about, and maybe make less fun of my brother too. So please allow me to do so now. I appreciate my brother because he has taught me how to be accepting of others, have some fun, and remove myself from chokeholds. <laughs> if anything, his presence in my life has taught me to have more patience and taught me what it means to be your true self regardless of the consequences. I also appreciate other people in my life, such as my dad, or Padre, as known by many of you. My mom, my sister, my grandparents, and so many more. I could go on and on sharing how much I appreciate so many of the people in my life, but we would be here for a very long time. So instead, I'm going to make a greater effort to show this appreciation by using kinder words and making less jokes towards those I care about. 
One way that I try to show my gratefulness towards those in my life is by trying to grow through the use of hugs. One time, Alex Britton mentioned to me that she had found some information on hugs on the internet. It said you need four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, and 12 hugs a day for growth. I have been trying to make this more prominent in my life and my ways of showing I care, and I challenge you all to do the same. If there is one thing that has been a constant in my life, it's Harry Potter. <laughs> Since the time I was eight years old, it has been my favorite book series of all time, and no one yet has bested me with a piece of trivia, no matter how obscure. So you have no idea how excited I was when I realized that I could tie Harry Potter to my sermon this morning about the ways in which we misunderstand ourselves. I am sure that later, several of the youth will have snarky comments for me, but now I have the microphone and I would like to tell you a little bit about the tale of Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry is an orphan raised by his cruel aunt and uncle who refused to tell him anything about his past and lied to him about his parents. Harry doesn't understand why strange things always seem to happen to him, like his teacher's wig turning blue when Harry gets upset, or the glass around a boa constrictor at the London Zoo disappearing after he talks to it. On his 11th birthday, Harry is visited by a giant named Hagrid, who changes his life forever with the words, You're a wizard, Harry. Soon, Harry is whisked away into the magical world, which he has to learn about quickly and to adapt to. You see, Harry has spent a long 11 years of his life fundamentally misunderstanding himself, and not knowing who he is. His story really begins when he learns just who he is. It is not always other people that misunderstand us. Sometimes we can misunderstand ourselves. In Harry's case, he had to be told by someone who cared about him and had his best interest at heart who he really was. Of course, he doesn't believe Hagrid right off the bat. He has to think about all the strange things that have happened in his life and to start to understand himself on his own terms. No matter what other people may tell us about ourselves, it is of no use unless we come to realize it ourselves. From the time I was two years old, my mother tried to get me to take acting classes. It was clear that I had a dramatic flair from a young age, as some of you may remember. <laughs> However, for almost 10 long years, I adamantly refused to go anywhere near the theater. I could watch the shows and enjoy them, but to act on stage? Never. The summer before I entered the sixth grade, mom gave up on the wheedling and the suggesting and enrolled me at summer camp at Children's Theater of Charlotte. I was wholeheartedly against this idea. But I went anyway, because no 11-year-old can stand against her own mother's insistence, especially when her mother delivers her right to the door of the theater and a nice woman in a tutu comes to open the door and bring her inside. As you have probably guessed by now, I loved camp. We put on a production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I believe that my performance as Violet Beauregard's mother has not yet been matched on stage nor screen. <laughs> At the end of the week, my mom asked me again, do you want to take acting classes now? And still the answer was no. I maintained that camp had been fun, but a class would be entirely different. I stood firm 
until we received an email from the theater saying that every summer they selected a few students whom they had sensed real talent in and invited them to join the program. At this point, of course, I couldn't have wanted anything more than to join an acting class. My mom is still annoyed about this and wants me to tell you that she spent more time physically throwing up when she was pregnant with me than those camp counselors ever spent with me. Still, my decision was made, and I have been a faithful and enthusiastic children's theater student for the past seven years. You see, no matter how much my mom told me that I would be a great actress and that I really should get some training, I refused to accept this as a talent unless it was on my own terms. I had to make the decision for myself to be an actor, and no one else could make it for me. It's the same for all of us. There may be things about ourselves that we don't realize or understand, but just being told them does not automatically bring them out. We have to make the conscious choice to try and understand ourselves. Now, of course, our personal traits are not always strictly positive things. I have another story for you about this, but it's not nearly as funny. I have always had trouble controlling my emotions. In fact, my mom says that I uttered my first word as an argument. Anger was always the most overwhelming emotion for me, and many times a simple disagreement or misunderstanding left me on the ground screaming and crying and breaking things. I remember thinking that everybody had emotions as strong as mine, but they were just better at controlling them. At a very young age, I felt like I was a broken human being and that I would never be able to understand myself. Around the second grade, my parents took me to a series of therapists to help me get a handle on my issues. I was diagnosed with ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. ADHD is very common, but when most people hear the name, they think of a young boy who can't sit still or just can't pay attention in class. I seemed to oppose what the general public thought about my disorder. I tried to read one of the books my mom had bought on ADHD. It was called The Explosive Child. And as a cover image, it, it featured a child with, instead of a head, a lip balm. I pulled that book off the shelf while writing this sermon, and the cover image and the subtitle, Dealing with Children Who Are Just Out of Control, still makes my insides writhe. I'm a human being, not some sort of lab experiment with clear steps and predictable outcomes, and I'm certainly not a cartoon. Despite the newfound ability to be stigmatized by society, my diagnosis helped me. My parents were able to get medications for me, which help immensely, and I've gotten much better with age. I haven't had a truly violent, explosive episode at home in a few years, and it's been even longer than that at school. I, I started to change how I thought about myself, and through that, I began to change the way other people thought about me, too. When I started at my new high school, the only identity I had ever had was Kate Pulaski, the girl who was scary smart but spazzed out on people and freaked out over small things. That was one identity that I chose not to take in on my own terms. But slowly, with time, and space away from the people who had called me names and tried so hard to aggravate me all the time, I became Kate Pulaski, the history geek slash theater kid who was a supportive friend and an impassioned social justice warrior. That was something I took in for myself. At the core of all of us, what matters is how we see and understand ourselves. And if I can pull this sermon back towards the realm of religion, I believe that a key part of all of our identity should be that we are beloved by God. No matter who we are, what other people think of us, or what we think of ourselves, 
God loves us and cares about us, past, present, and future. Nothing we can do or think can change the endless truth that is God's love. God knows who we are for our entire lives. She just wants to see us figure it out for ourselves. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.